The other interesting thing that happened to me this week is that an incredibly tiny spider has moved into my room. (laughs) Um, And I mean, he is microscopic. Like, he's so minuscule and tiny. And it's probably a girl, but for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to assume it's a boy spider. I'm just imagining Lucas the spider. Yeah, so he's like that, except for Lucas is bigger. (laughs) And I don't mean, like, bigger, like, he looks like he's on the screen and he looks bigger. I mean, like, I know what kind of spider Lucas is, and they're really small, and this guy mm-hmm. is smaller. Aww. Um, I guarantee you he's like a baby jumping spider when those guys are really little. Aww. I did see something incredibly tragic happen to him. <gasps> he's fine. Okay, good. But I did see him crawl in my AC vent exactly when the, when the fan came on, and he got blown out of it. <laughs> <laughs> which was simultaneously the funniest and most terrifying thing that's ever happened. But he kind of, he like hung on and then like he went somewhere else. He was obviously pretty butthurt about it, but it was so funny. He was just like this little tiny spider and he was just like scrambling in the vent and then whoosh, he just got bodied. Poor baby. <laughs> Have you but named I, the tiny spider? I, I'm really just calling him Tiny Spidey for right now because I feel that's, like that's that's fine. Tiny Spidey is actually so there is a Tiny Spidey right in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon show. Spider-Man has like he'll occasionally become like a chibi version of himself that mm-hmm. talks to the camera and stuff like that. Is it like Lizzie McGuire? Yeah, kind of. He'll have sort of like mini dream sequences or something. Like one of the early episodes, he's been Spider-Man for a little while. Like he's not mm-hmm. brand new to it, but. Mm-hmm. He's like at school and Mary Jane approaches him and is like, oh, do you want to come study with us or whatever? And he kind of blanks. And then you see Tiny Spidey spinning a wheel of excuses. And he's like trying to come up with like a reason not to go to the thing. And then he blurts out some word vomit or whatever. But but Tiny Spidey's like a fixture in I I don't even know if that's officially what he's called, but that's what everybody calls him. And Tiny Spidey is um, peak just material. But yeah, so Tiny Spidey is the unofficial mascot of my room, and I'm very happy to have him because I have seen markedly less ants. Oh. So, thanks. Sorry, I just had the visual of Tobey Maguire, Peter Parker, eating ants by the handful, so I think this is a good time to play the intro music. What's up, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Kat. And we are here to ask the timeless question, was Spider-Man there? If you've been following the podcast, you probably know what the gist of this is. But basically, comics are really wild, and I don't know a whole lot about really any of them, but particularly Spider-Man. And I just like to spitball and see what sticks and uh, think of cool, wacky places that Spider-Man might have been. And so Kat is my cohort in crime. So every week I pitch her something uh, in a segment we call Elevator Pitch. Where I make up a scenario, a story, I try to make it as wacky as I can. But then Kat's job is to do some research and foil me and try to see if Spider-Man was there. So Kat gives me my assignment every week and then I think of the pitch and then the ball's back in her court. So Kat, what is our theme this week? Uh, This week is the first part of our 19-part series in Spider-Man and Deadpool. (laughs) Buckle up, kids. We've we've been ready to do this one. (laughs) We figured uh, we would start early and get it out of the way because we're gonna be. This is gonna be like this American life was Spider Man there. Yeah, when you buy the box set of this podcast, like this is gonna be a whole <laughs> disc to itself. <laughs> Only available at Barnes and Noble brick and mortar stores. Um, yeah, but but this episode we are talking about Spider Man and Deadpool, bad besties for life. And Zeke, I think you cooked up a, a pretty fun one this week. Yeah, so this one was hard for me because. I, like every human, I know about Deadpool because I, every human with internet access, I guess I should say. And I have, I don't know, obviously the ins and outs. I've seen both Deadpool movies, I think with you both times. Yeah. Um, I have not ever read a Deadpool comic, but I've known a lot of straight men in my life. So I know a lot (laughs) about like (laughs) kind of the, the regular things. I know he likes chimichangas and I know there's 
a unicorn and I know maximum effort. I don't know what that is, but I know that that's like a thing. Then this is not a bit. This is all organic. I literally have no idea what any of it means. But so it was really tough for me because I was like, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to think up that Spider-Man and Deadpool have been through? So I would like to pitch to you an idea that I am calling changing the channel. Spider-Man and Deadpool are facing off against a villain who manages to send them through like a multi-dimensional portal. I definitely want to say like Spider-Man is just ready for it. He's just like, whatever, I've done this a million times. Multiverse, let's go. And Deadpool's like, great. So they go through this portal, except for what happens is instead of being in like a different universe, they're just going through like lots of different genres of TV and comics. They jump through the portal and then it's like, film noir and i know there's a spider-man noir i saw into the spider-verse i did do that but (laughs) so it's like they're in film noir and so deadpool's like of all the food trucks in all the world he had to (laughs) step in front of mine and order a hot dog and then peter's like what are you doing (laughs) like we just got here and i'm trying to blend in (laughs) where'd you get Um, that hat (laughs) yeah where'd you get that hat don't worry about it it's a classic and so they, the villain finds them there and they run, 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 and they manage to jump through another portal. And then they're like, the next one, they're in like a jungle and Deadpool's like, oh, this isn't too bad. And then you hear this like sound and they turn around and there's like old stop motion dinosaurs. And Peter's like, oh my God. And Deadpool's like, don't worry, they're super fake. Like, are you looking at them? But then it turns out they're like big relative to size. And so then it's like, oh, wacky. We have to get away from the T-Rex. And then they jump to another portal. And then that one is like old traditional 60s comics, like pow zap sling. And Peter's like, God, I feel like I haven't done this in a hundred years. <laughs> <Aww>. uh, <laughs> um, and so on and on they go through these various uh, portals, except for at one point they get separated. And they're in two different genres. And so they have to fight their way through these different genres of television. They go through a sitcom and reality TV and manga and all kinds of stuff. And then they manage to find each other with villains on each of their tails. And they find, like, the portal to get back to, like, their universe. And Deadpool grabs Peter's hand and they pull each other through the portal. And it's like, aha's take on me. (laughs) And that's it. That's what I got. That's that's good though. I appreciate a good aha reference. Yeah, I did. I did dedicate this one to you, my co-host, <laughs> who is obviously not in every episode. I really love the music video for "Take on Me." I don't know; it's just really good. Like, I guess it feels cliche now because everything old is new again. But like, I feel like just the concept of it is really cool and very romantic, but also very fun. It's definitely that one of those videos where it tells a story you don't necessarily get from the song itself. And right. it is its own independent story that the video brings something new to the table. And of course the style of it is so iconic and yes. Uh, uh, and like we were talking about how we saw Deadpool two together and I was like, Oh, what a fun. Oh, look, Domino's there. And there's cable. And, <gasps> me crying at the end at the acoustic cover of take on me and being like, I uh-huh. did not come here to cry. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah. I do remember that being really good. I don't even know if the mem- uh, this is going to sound stupid. Are the members of AHA still alive? I have to imagine they would be. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, as someone who is a big fan of 80s music still today, I actually really love acoustic 80s covers. Who does There was, yeah, whew, yeah. There was an acoustic tour, like an acoustic live tour that they did like two or three years ago. And they mm-hmm. released it as an album, which I put on my Christmas list, and none of my family bought it for me. Well, I didn't get that Christmas list, or you'd have had it. So that's okay. your own fault. Uh, I guess so. And there was also, like, a big 80s symphonic thing that they were a part of that was, like, mm-hmm. a, like a bunch of different bands. But yeah, they're, so they're still kicking. Like, I mean, they did the acoustic cover for the Deadpool 2 movie. Oh, okay, okay. See, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I should have, like, listening to it, should have been obvious it was them, but I did not. I do want to say that a um, key and integral part of my pitch is Deadpool running through the intro to a sitcom and there's a fountain and a couch. It's the Friends intro, but instead of Friends, (laughs) it's all the X-Men. And so he's like running past them, but then he comes back in to do the five claps. It's still playing the music and he's like, oh my God, where's the music coming from? And then they're like all falling over each other on a couch and they're like in the fountain or whatever. And he's like, what a bunch of dipsticks. And then he runs out of frame. But then like the, the like, so no one told you life was going to be this way. And he like jumps back into like, and then he leaves again. <laughs> he likes uh, a good callback. 
Yeah, exactly. So that's um integral, key visual okay, I want yeah. you to take away from this. Okay. All right, so I've given you my pitch, which is, it's a lot of locations, but I do have to ask, was Spider-Man there? This gave me something to work with. And you said you weren't super familiar with Deadpool as yeah. a character in comics and stuff, but either via osmosis or just accidentally you kind of stumbled onto one of the main deadpool characterization things which is like he breaks the fourth wall a lot and of comic book characters he is aware that he is a comic book character that he's in comics and that arises in different forms in different times it's it's kind of something that he's always low-key aware of whether it becomes a major plot point is another thing so the idea of deadpool traveling through different stories or different media mm-hmm. is actually something that was pretty easy for me to zero in on. Okay. And when we bring Spider-Man into the picture, Spider-Man and Deadpool have a multicolored history in the comic books, but their actual interactions on the page, like as far as number of books they've been in together, isn't that high, except for the Spider-Man Deadpool series, which ran right. for 50 issues. Okay. And I know I showed you some images earlier of some clips from the Spider-Man and uh, Human Torch series. Mm-hmm. So these kinds of like team yeah. <laughs> so these yeah. kinds of team up comics are pretty common. Uh, they're, you know, maybe limited run or not I wouldn't call them mini series, but you know, mm-hmm. they're not like Amazing Spider-Man where it's going to go on for hundreds and hundreds of issues. Deadpool 2 had a similar series with Cable, which is like why he showed up in the movie because uh, mm-hmm. they have like a long-standing comic book relationship. Uh, so I was actually able to turn specifically to the Spider-Man Deadpool series to find what I think is pretty close to the spirit of your idea, if not okay. the actual Friends intro. <laughs> but for this, we're actually skipping all the way to the end. So big spoiler warning for anybody that hasn't finished off the Spider-Man Deadpool series, which is highly recommended by me. If you haven't read every single Spider-Man comic up to this point, don't <laughs> just 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 stop the podcast right here. Go read all of them. Just everything with <laughs> Spider-Man in it, and then you can come back. And we'll yeah, because I've absolutely read every Spider-Man comic. <laughs> I, listen, if if someone told me, did you know that Kat has read every Spider-Man comic that's ever been published, I would be like, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mm, No. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're looking specifically right at the tail end of the series, Spider-Man 46 and 50, which that little story arc was called Event Pool. And... Throughout the series, the relationship between the two characters had definitely grown from, like, where Spider-Man is telling Deadpool, I'm going to work with you, and I'm going to help contain your crazy so that you don't do so much damage, to genuine friendship, to begrudging, like, we're partners in this, to a lot, there's there's a lot, a lot of growth here. And by the time they get to the end of the series, or at this point in the series, they literally go on a road trip together. <laughs> oh my god, hell yeah. It's, it's great. But because of comic books and misadventures, they end up getting transported to the negative zone, which is like a different dimension. Is that just where everyone has depression? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, it is kind of fuzzy in definition, but I know that it's sometimes used as like a prison holding area or whatever. But anyways, they're there for a while. It's outside of our dimension. As they fight monsters, do whatever. There's a couple of filler issues. But when they come back, they find out that in their universe, a year has passed. And they come back to New York and the city is devastated. It's this apocalyptic wasteland. And they don't see anybody on the streets. They see, you know, newspapers flying by in the wind. And most upsetting for Deadpool is that the fourth wall is now up. Whereas in the comics especially the comics leading up to this particular arc, he's doing a lot of back and forth with the readers. He's now mm-hmm. like looking at, you know, quote unquote, the camera. And like, he's like, I can't see anybody. I can't see them. I can't see the readers. I can't see the editor's notes. When I talk, like there's nobody responding and he's really freaking out. And Spider-Man is like, has sort of indulged him up to this point. And he's kind of ah. like, okay, well we have other problems right now. Like everything is gone. And they end up running into a couple of, C and D list heroes, like really random ones. Uh, I love that. I love the idea that heroes and celebrities run on the same grade system. <laughs> like well, they I, run, in, I, they run into the David Schwimmer of superheroes. 
I mean, I would I wouldn't say that this has anything to do with their power levels or their abilities as heroes because obviously they're still alive. But oh, no, I am talking specifically about fame. Yeah, yeah, just as far as like who would recognize them. So uh, Deborah the Land Shark, who has worked with Deadpool in the past, like she's like an anthropomorphic shark lady. Is her Is superhero the- name Deborah the Land Shark? Yes, she's amazing. So- she sounds like a real estate agent. <laughs> when you said Deborah the Land Shark, I could see her like on a like Century Twenty One board. She's got like, an attaché case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Silk shows up. We keep running into Silk, but she's a hybrid character now of like a combination of her and the character Warlock, who's this mm-hmm. like yellow cybernetic organic creature. Hulk and Puck have created like a fusion of themselves. Puck oh, being heck. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Puck is uh, from Alpha Flight, Canadian team. Again, he's, I would call him like a D-lister. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they they run into them and they're like, oh, all this shit happened. And, you know, come to us, come with our, come to our base. And during this, Silk keeps referring to Spider-Man as Peter. And Deadpool's like, wait a minute, she keeps calling you Peter. What's up with that? And after a bit of this, he's like, well, that's my name. I'm Peter Parker. And he reveals himself. And actually leading up to this, there have been moments where he's tried to reveal his mask but like the words have been blocked out and or like he takes his mask off and like his face is blank and like deadpool can't see his face (gasps) and and so he's able to take his mask off and deadpool knows who peter parker is and he's just kind of like freaking out but also they have more important things to do so they realize as they talk to these other characters that there's a big bad that has come and attacked the planet and he's taken all the heroes away and it's up to this last resistance to fight him and basically their plan is we're gonna get captured so that we can attack him directly so they the little mod podge team of heroes attack the manipulator he's the big bad and deadpool gets vaporized the other ones get scooped up and it's a very dramatic cliffhanger and when that happens Deadpool shows up in the white space or the blank space, which is like Uh the space between panels. And there he runs into Gwenpool, who seems like a character that was created kind of on the heels of the popularity of Mm -hmm. Spider-Gwen. But she's not Gwen Stacy. She's okay. Yeah, she's a different character. But she's kind of a cutesy Deadpool. And her whole thing is that she is a super comic book fan who's kind of been pulled into this world of comic books. So... Like Deadpool, she also has the ability to see through the fourth wall, but like Deadpool in this situation, that's not working anymore. And so she was almost captured with the other heroes, but she escaped to the space and she's been trying to like draw a solution because her drawings affect the reality of the comic book story. Oh my gosh. And so he talks to her and they're trying to figure things out and he realizes that all the stuff that's going on has all the hallmarks of a big comic book crossover event. You know, your House of M or your Axis or Secret Empire or something like that, where all these titles are involved and there's always a big bad guy and everybody's going to have to come together and fight him. And he's like, well, that's great. But without being able to see through the fourth wall, I don't know what to do or how to help. Right. And so she draws him back into the story and he returns to where Spider-Man and the rest of them have been captured and helps them escape from their chains or whatever. And um, he realizes that whatever is going on in this crossover event that they're all trapped in, the main thing they need to do is to break down the fourth wall. And once that happens, that will help restore normalcy to whatever is going on. Oh my gosh, what a, that's such an incredible concept. So when Deadpool comes back and he liberates all these heroes, he's like, okay, what we need to do is we have to have a focused group attack on the manipulator because he is the fourth wall somehow. He's like okay. made up of the fourth wall. And the other heroes, especially Captain America, are like, okay, well, we've tried doing that in the past. It doesn't really work. He's like, yeah, but now we're here. And they're like, okay, sure, we'll try anything at this point. So with Gwenpool's help, they're actually able to run from comic to comic. Mm-hmm. And there's a multiple page spread where they're running from comic book cover to comic book cover of like different crossover titles in this event which has a ridiculous name it's a infinite house of civil yet secret crisis war invasion so wow yeah so they're like running through the covers of like these different team-ups or like it's the fantastic four but the characters are different or this one is the 
power pack and everybody's babies or something. And as they're running from cover to cover, <laughs> they're seeing all these different characters and Deadpool is sort of like pointing out like, wait, there's something weird about this. Obviously, the kinds of covers that are in crossover comics and the kind of books that are in crossover comics are going to be different and weird, but these all seem too weird. And these all seem too specific. And as they're they're running for, through all these issues, he points out that the comic books all have the same writer. And okay. he's like, yeah, th- this is all this all seems super fabricated. It all seems fake. And as he realizes, like, wait a minute, these all have the same writer, who's uh, Robbie Thompson, the reality that they're in and like all the covers and all the characters that they've picked up with along the way just sort of disintegrate it's very infinity war in fact they make that joke oh wow so so this is recent then yeah this was like two years ago and after all the characters disintegrate it just leaves spider-man deadpool and the manipulator who was like this big galactus guy but now he's shrunk down to human size. And lo and behold, it's Robbie Thompson, the guy that's actually writing these stories. And Thompson explains to them that his goal in writing these stories was he wanted Deadpool to learn Spider-Man's identity. But the only way he could get management to approve that was if it was part of a big event or like a big climactic storyline. So that's why he orchestrated this whole chain of events. That now there's been character growth, so it's validated and stuff. And there is like a scene where they're with him, like in his writing office, and you see all these bookshelves with like trade paperback comics and like Spider-Man's like pulling some off the shelf. And he's like, what is this? Because there's like he pulls one off the shelf that's got a picture of him and Mary Jane getting married, which Mm -hmm. uh, is an event that got retconned. And oh, and so he's like, what's this? And Deadpool's like, nothing, it's just fan fiction, and like shoves it back on the shelf. Um, <laughs> and so they end up just kind of like laughing it off and being like, what? No, it's never going to happen. Like Spider-Man is never going to reveal his identity to Deadpool. Like they've forgotten that that happened because they've undone everything that happened as part of the event. And mm-hmm. they like put him in comic book prison and then... Literally, it just ends with them standing on top of a collage of pages and covers from the series. And they're just like, I'm glad we're on the same page. And it was just like, but um, <laughs> like, <laughs> I say that just because, yeah, it was a little bit of a of a letdown just because overall, I highly recommend the series. There are some great storylines that are a part of it. And there's some very emotional moments. Like I liked it enough that I have some of the like original page art in my guest room because Mm -hmm. I was like, this is so, uh, it means so much to me, but this was just kind of like comedic ending and scene, you know, like it was just Mm -hmm. like, okay. But um, that's a whole other thing. (laughs) But the idea of Spider-Man and Deadpool traveling through genres of stories, like being aware that their stories and making those jumps to fight bad guys and meet other characters. Like, I would say that's definitely something that's happened in the comics. Okay, okay. So, I did I did expect that. I expected that my, my concept would not have been original. Like, I knew that there wasn't going to be anything I was going to come up with that hasn't already been done. But it's so interesting to me to see a writer... And I guess, and an artist too, I don't mean I guess an artist, like a writer and an artist and the whole team of people who put together comics to play with a concept that is already so novel for a lot of people. I understand that like Deadpool breaking the fourth wall is not new, but as one of the only characters that does it within like comic books, it's really fun and fresh to like read or experience. And so to, to know that there's like, another step or like another tier that like the writers have taken with that is so cool like to know like finding out about that is really really cool i don't know i'm just like i'm really floored like genuinely really like wow like damn like yeah it's good to know that it isn't just something where you know he turns and winks at the camera yeah um that there are writers that are trying to find ways to create different stories or more full stories based around that concept and Mm -hmm. Even if the end product is varying degrees of successful, it is fun to know that like people are experimenting. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
so yeah, I did not. I'm not disappointed with this one. <laughs> um, I definitely like. I'm not disappointed with any of them, obviously. But it's it, it's fun when I come up with a concept and it's like, well, we couldn't really find something to super match that, which is like. As a writer, I'm like, I still got it. But with this one, I was like, that definitely like whatever, literally whatever I suggest is going <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, to be fair, Wolverine was not in the Friends Fountain. So you did have yeah. that on them. That's because he's home cooking dinner for me because Wolverine <laughs> is my husband. Because um, we're both short kings. It's the year of the short king, 2020. And uh, we have uh, the same sideburn game. Sideburn game real strong. So... <laughs> You don't know this, but I have a secret side podcast where I only talk about Wolverine for an hour <laughs> every week. <laughs> uh, it's the meme of Wolverine looking at the picture frame, but it's me looking at Wolverine looking at the picture frame. <laughs> okay, so, okay. Uh, we have discussed a very cool comic. We have discussed my super fun pitch. But so I guess I have to ask, having done all this research in comparing it to what I have come up with, would you say that Spider-Man was there? I would say that Spider-Man and Deadpool were definitely there and over there and over there. And over there. There. And there. And there too. (laughs) And they popped in there for a minute. Yeah. And now they're behind you. Listen. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) Let's boogie on over to the fan fiction zone. Yeah. Okay, Kat, do you want to give us a little rundown on what the second part of the podcast is? Yeah, so the second part of the podcast is Two Truths and a Fic. This is the Spidey Pool edition where I will be giving Zeke the summaries of two canon Spider-Man and Deadpool storylines and one fan creation. And Zeke has to try and determine which one of them is the odd man out. Now, Kat has been training for this moment her entire life. It's true. She's been so ready to challenge somebody to try to figure out what a canon Spider-Man Deadpool storyline is. Uh, And I'm very scared because I've only won one of these so far. Not that it's a win or lose thing. That's true. Um, Today, uh, the sticker on the line is a Spider-Man and he's real small and it says, OMG. Okay, so I have to win this to give to Tiny Spidey. Yeah. I have to to give it to him. I'm in it. Man, I'm in this for my son now. (laughs) Okay, hit me with it. All right. When Spider-Man calls Deadpool for a rare night out, he gets more than he bargains for as they embark on an evening full of nightclubs, succubi, and Valkyries. (laughs) Things get wild and a little dangerous, and the pair have no choice but to dirty dance their way out. Okay. Here's number two. Cable and Deadpool have been mm, pardoned associates for a long time now (laughs) but when nate finds himself unable to handle the unruly merc he puts him in the care of a certain wall crawler in the hopes he can teach him a thing or two about being a hero (laughs) he said he said go to daycare i can't handle this right now (laughs) okay well this is my favorite i don't care canon or not i love this all right hit me with the third one third one a young school of witches kidnap deadpool so they can use him to summon his heartmate. Strange, then, that their ritual summons not Shikla, Empress of the Underworld, but your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Oh, uh aha. Wow. Okay. Okay, let me think about this for a second. Okay, so the first one is Blackjack and Hookers, and the second one is Spider-Man Daycare, and the third one is... Oh my uh, god, they were heartmates. Oh my, and Harry Potter and the Heartmates. Oh my god, that's a really good band name! <laughs> Cat, we have to bring Wizard Rock back! <laughs> we can't afford the rights. <laughs> uh, we won't get into talking about Harry Potter on this. Okay, hang on. Ooh. Oh man. Okay. I think the I think the one with Cable is canon. And I think... Man, this is a toss-up. I think the one where the witches summon Spider-Man is the... No, I'm gonna... Yeah, I'm gonna go with my gut. That one's the fanfic. And I think the the one with uh, Blackjack and Hookers and Succubi and so on is actually a comic. Is there any reasoning for these decisions? 
Um, because every time I try to guess that the wildest one is the fanfic, it's not. Uh, <laughs> every time I'm like, oh, a fanfic writer just went, like, balls to the wall with it. Uh, and then you're like, no, actually, that was canon in uh, 1975. And it's like, what the hell? What are you guys doing? <laughs> so I think my gut tells me that a fanfiction writer would lean more towards, oh my god, they were heartmates. Then... And then, and then there were succubi and incubi, and then they had to do, uh, staying alive, and then, you know, they ran away on a moped or whatever, like, (laughs) (laughs) so that's why I, that, this is, this is my gut, like, my, my head, my logical brain is, like, obviously the one with the, with the succubi is the fan fiction, but my gut instinct is that that one's canon and that the witches are, are the fan fiction and the cable one is canon. Well, unfortunately, that's incorrect, but not Damn. in the way you thought. <laughs> okay. So the first one with the nightclubs and the succubi and the Valkyries is canon. I knew it. Okay. So I'm glad I'm right about that one at least. Yeah, that one is Spider Man Deadpool number four and. This is one of those uh, gold standard comics in the Spidey Pool fandom where they're just sort of hammering out their friendship a little bit. I think Deadpool really wants to be Spider-Man's friend. Spider-Man is still deciding how much he wants to associate with Deadpool, but he's trying to give him a chance. Mm -hmm. And they go out for a night on the town. So at this point, Deadpool is married to Shikla. She is like empress of the underworld demon queen or whatever. But she's given him a free past list that has five names on it. And there are things like Hillary Clinton, if she's ever beca- ever becomes president, and Zombie Arthur, and uh, <laughs> Thor, if Thor is a woman. And so at, at this point in comic history, Thor is a woman. Thor is um, Jane Foster, yeah. has the, assumed the role of Thor. Mm-hmm. So he like lures her in under false pretenses like says it's an emergency and she says it shows up and she's like a, a night at drinking is not an emergency but i guess i'm already here she said well um, i'm thor now so yeah <laughs> and he's brought along shikla's cousin as uh spider-man's blind date and spider-man's wearing an image inducer so like he looks like a dude but a different dude and but it turns out the valkyries and succubi are like mortal enemies so they start fighting and then they get angry that like Deadpool has orchestrated all of this and <laughs> and like he's got a mud wrestling pit and so they get real angry and so then Spider-Man and Deadpool have to like well we were going to make or Deadpool really was going to make them mud wrestle so they end up on the stage like in their boxer shorts and they're like <laughs> you, will, you will dance for our entertainment and and they just go for it which has provided some of the greatest imagery in comic books including like spider-man like lifting deadpool above his head and like spitting him in the air and like it's yeah oh like okay like wwe style like yeah yeah it's incredible it's it's mm, beautiful incredible Um, and i want to say that particular issue sold so well that i know that there were at least four reprints Wow. And I know this because I have like three of the versions. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kat, um, I do want I do want to just do a super little mini episode of an episode of with Spider-Man there. Has Spider-Man ever been a luchador? Like a, a Mexican wrestler? Yes, um, that's yes. I don't think ever specifically a Mexican wrestler. I mean, I know like there's the canon part of the backstory where he was like in underground fighting rings. Yeah, like, like heck in a sack. But I don't think he's ever gone full Mexican style. But I do know a fanfic with that topic. It's uh, Rock Me Like a Hurricanrana. That one of my friends actually wrote for last year's Big Bang. So uh, the content is out there. You guys are really, really knuckling down and doing it. Yeah. Okay, I'm thrilled. Because as soon as you said, like, and then he lifts him up over his head, I literally, the only thing I could think of was that cartoon, Mucha Lucha. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was struck with inspiration, but of course everything wants yeah. to do again. Someone has it's, done it, so congratulations, whoever you are that wrote this. Yeah, um, uh, it's it's beautiful. Um, so the the second canon story is the third prompt I gave you, which is Spider-Man, Deadpool, Monsters Unleashed number one, 
And Monsters mm-hmm. Unleashed was like, I think, kind of a crossover thing that was happening in a bunch of different titles. So this was the Spider-Man Deadpool title for that. It was just one issue. Yeah, so like I said, at this point in the comics, Deadpool is married to Shikla, and I guess these witches, who are admittedly not very good witches, like they're middle schoolers, and I think the introductory box says that you're at like the 19th best private school in Canada or something. So like they're not, <laughs> they're not the best, but they do perform this ritual and I like they're hanging Deadpool upside down and they like cut his hand to use his blood. And they're like, yeah, we're going to summon the great and powerful Shikla and she'll, I don't know, lead us to victory or do our bit. I don't, they never really, they're seventh graders. What do they know? Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, what there's a big her anyway. <laughs> There's a big puff of smoke, and then, like, Spider-Man is like, what the what? You know, and Deadpool is, of course, like, mm, this proves it. We're heartmates. And then uh, Spider-Man is like, we're just friends, buddy. But it's cute. It's definitely at that point in the comics, like, I think there's a panel in that issue where Spider-Man is like, yeah, he's an idiot, but he's my idiot. And, you know, you have all the fangirls swoon, and it's good time. <laughs> and, then, and then they kissed, and then the whole bus clapped. Uh, less kiss, more Deadpool gets eaten by a big purple monster and has to cut his way out of the guts. That's horny. <laughs> That's, yeah. I'll listen, this is an 18-note podcast. We say fuck a lot. I'm just gonna say, if I was Spider-Man, which I am not, disclaimer, obviously, people have seen me and Spider-Man in the same room. If I was Spider-Man and I saw Deadpool hack his way out of any monster... But especially, like, a big purple, like, a huge thing that could eat him. That'd be it. It'd be over. The comic would have to be over. I'd have to be, like, the last page gotta be black. Because, the, 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 listen, the, the dick is big now. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> and, and then, you know, I can even get away with it in the comic. I can't drink beer, but I can fuck relentlessly. <laughs> so, that's gonna be the tagline for this podcast. Um... <laughs> Yeah, wow, okay, so I guess the reason that I thought this one was the fanfic was because of the presence of the witches, but that's an interesting twist, so tell me about the... I think because Deadpool, like, has this connection to Shikla, like, they live in the underworld, essentially, at this point in the comics. Like, together? Like, they have a house? Uh, it's more of underworld, dungeon-y, lair, I don't know, you never see it from the outside, you always just see, like dungeon walls and hallways and corridors and people screaming but it's definitely like in hell (laughs) okay oh my god so he's like the persephone uh yeah sure yeah kind of okay well now it's my favorite imagery in the world yeah um but that definitely opens up the door to invite more of those supernatural story elements and characters because a man getting bitten by a radioactive spider and then having superpowers is not supernatural. Well, it's quote-unquote science-based. Like, right. we talked about that a little bit, where, like, Spider-Man's powers and his villains definitely, like, there has to be some kind of tie back to science, usually. Like, even the vampire characters are like, oh, they got infused with vampire bat DNA. Whereas, yeah. like, no, no, she's a demon. She turns into a giant dragon. That's just her thing. Okay, that's hot, also. <laughs> This is a telling episode for me. Mm. We're learning a lot um, about Zeke tonight. Yeah. <laughs> nothing nothing anybody didn't already know, but if you're someone who doesn't know me and you listen to this podcast, which would be incredible, I'm, yeah, I'm tried and true monster fucker. Tell me about Cable before I say anything else embarrassing. <laughs> so the fan fiction is called, I, in parentheses, I Just Died in Your Arms, and it's by Life is Random 34. And this is one of my bookmarks. This is one of my top tier fix. Um, wow. it's, it's very, yeah, it's very well written. And it shows a natural progression of characterization because at the beginning, Spider-Man is like, I am aware that Deadpool exists as a person and also his reputation. But then as he accepts this babysitting job, basically he comes to appreciate like Deadpool's better qualities and like, you know, sees that if he, made an effort, he could actually be a good guy, he could be a hero, that mostly he's lost confidence in himself, or just doesn't believe that he can do that or be that. Oh and gosh. I appreciate it for including Cable in a way that seems kind of realistic, uh, because, 
like I said, Cable and Deadpool do have a long history in the comics. Mm-hmm. But Cable is also very much that zealot character archetype where like he mm-hmm. has his mission and his mission is preserving the future and personal relationships and everything else is not even in the backseat. It's like in the trailer hitch to the back of the truck. So having him kind of shuffling people around and like viewing certain things as like means to an end as he tries to preserve his mission, but not being a dick about it, just being really objective about it. Sure. Seems kind of natural for his character. And it's, it's always nice to see when stories bring in other elements when it's not just, these are the two characters I want to see bang, let's lock them in a room and they have a conversation and then they bang, you know, where you're bringing in other comic book elements. It's, it's you kind say of that like you're like, oh, well, and then there wasn't a fanfic where there was only one bed. And then literally like tomorrow you're going to be like, I read this fanfic and there was only one bed. <laughs> no, no, like- <laughs> no. It's, that's great. I'm not here to, to, to harsh on bottle episodes, but it is nice when people start developing bigger universes and kind of nodding to the relationships that characters have outside of the main pairing. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. I really like that. I don't know like a whole lot about Cable as a character. I, I know he was super hot in the Deadpool movie. And I know that the same guy plays Thanos. I almost said Ultron. Oh, <laughs> um, it was like the word Ultron was trying to come out of my mouth and I was trying so desperately to put it back in and it just wanted, it was so forceful. I had to not say Ultron like four times. <laughs> I know that, what's his name? Josh Brolin? Is that it? Mm-hmm. I know he also plays Thanos which he is not hot in. This is not the Josh Brolin fan club. Don't come for me. Don't at me. I don't want to hear anybody talk about that I'm a great fucker. Like, we're not going to do that. <laughs> um, I only think that Josh Brolin is hot as Cable. That is the, that's it. That's God's honest truth. However, all that being said, I do think that Cable is a very interesting character from what I know about him, but it also, I see the potential for him to become very one-dimensional. Like, for like, when you write, like, a ship fan fiction for it to just be, like, just to make him, like, Sundere, or just, like, well, you know, whatever. Sure, sure. Or he's just so, like, the bad guy, so that right. the other two characters can get together or something. Exactly. So I, like, I appreciate that there's there's fanfic out there that, as weird as it is to say, like, treats him well. Like, I definitely know, like, Spidey Pool is, like, a huge fandom. It's so wild. For, like, oh, my I God. Mean, regardless of whether or not you like ship them romantically or if you just like them as friends or whatever like it's such a huge fan base and i feel like it's i feel like it's important to like the source material to also recognize that spidey pool like like spider-man and deadpool as characters have this sort of branching network of people whose lives would also be you know like intermingled and stuff with these two interacting i don't know i just really have a soft spot in my heart for when not even side because I wouldn't even consider Cable a side character but like for when characters outside of like the main pairing or the main friendship or whatever are brought in in a meaningful way so like sure. um, who's the fanfic author? this is by Life is Random 34 Life is Random 34 you have huge kudos from me I'm actually going to log into AO3 as soon as we're done and give you real kudos I say as though it was a physical thing I could hand you but I definitely think that that's uh, super cool on uh, your part as an author and also anybody who's ever uh, written fanfic with uh, side characters, I guess. I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) So I want to know if I can get half of the sticker. Can you just rip the OMG part off? Um, No, because it's written across him. Okay, you know what I'm going to give you? I I have, there's a little Spider-Man face and it says, whoops. You can have that <laughs> It's like you won this, but it is forever a mark of your failure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, that's okay. I'll just put it by the vent where he uh, got uh, absolutely <laughs> destroyed. <laughs> all right. So this has been a super fun episode. I really appreciated um, all of your hard and arduous work. I know it was a trial for you to go into the dead, the spidey pool mines and <laughs> bring forth these these gems for us but i will ask you for one more fruit of your labor do you have any cool spider-man trivia for us today no ah (laughs) no um actually today i have a deadpool piece of trivia okay i thought you were gonna say i have an uncool piece of spider-man trivia peter parker Parker wears a uh, size nine shoe that's the episode (laughs) have a nice day 
see ya. Uh, yeah, I have a little bit of Deadpool trivia today. Okay. So, like you mentioned, we saw the first Deadpool and the second Deadpool together, which was fun. You and sure I enjoy those movies a lot. And I think the reason those movies are so successful and so much fun is because Ryan Reynolds is a big comic book fan. He is a big Deadpool fan. And he, mm-hmm. as producer, poured a lot of his attention into making sure that like the details were right. And Wait, hold on. I have to stop you. Ryan Reynolds was a producer? Yeah. On the Deadpool? I didn't even know that. See? Okay, I'm well, getting, that's the fact. Listen. We're done. We're out. No. It's a two for one. <laughs> <laughs> this is Payless Shoe Store Podcast. Buy one, get one, baby. <laughs> this Payless went out of business, didn't they? I probably shouldn't curse our podcast like that. Okay, so Ryan Reynolds is a producer on Deadpool. Please continue with your real trivia. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, those movies got made because he really wanted to get them made, especially after, like, Wolverine Origins, you know, teased us with a sort of quasi-Deadpool. We don't talk about that, though. I do. I love Weapon 11. Anyways, um, <laughs> he was really involved in things like the inclusion of Easter eggs and details in the movies, and one of the things that he really wanted to include was a reference to the Golden Girls and specifically B. Arthur, because canonically, Deadpool is a real big Golden Girls fan, which sounds like, haha, lol, so random, old lady show, unless you've watched the Golden Girls, and yeah. oh my god, that show goes so hard, and is like... Like, people were like, oh, Social Justice Warriors is like a millennial Gen Z thing. Like, no, fuck, these fucking ladies in the 80s were like, they're standing up for like, gay rights and like, minorities and shit and like, absolutely. Golden Girls all day long. Anyways, so it like, totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he wanted to include some kind of reference or some kind of visual cue for that. And if you watch the first Deadpool movie, it's kind of easy to miss. But in one of the early scenes, I think it's the scene where he's accosting the pizza delivery guy and he's got like a jacket on underneath his jacket he has a shirt on that has a picture of b arthur on it it's like her kind of trademark mona lisa smile and she's like framed and in order to use her image because they couldn't just like oh we picked this this shirt up at you know walmart or whatever right they had to contact the estate of b arthur and work it out with her and they agreed for the price of $10,000 paid to the charity of their choice. Wow. Which which is kind of like, it's kind of a crazy amount of money to spend on, like, we want to wear this t-shirt. And I think they said it was probably the most expensive, like, Easter egg in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of cool. And people theorize that the charity was probably this, like, LGBT youth organization that, like, helps provide, um, I think, housing for, like, LGBT youth that are... On, in dire straits or whatever. Sure, sure. Um, which, again, also makes plenty of good Deadpool sense. Right. Um, because Deadpool is canonically pansexual. Yeah. Right. So I just think that's like a really cool detail. And it's like a very heartfelt thing that he worked really hard to include. And the budget for the movie was not that big. So like saying like, we're going to spend $10,000 to have this shirt in one shot of the movie because it's that important to the character is I think a really cool thing. And part of that attention to detail that made those movies so successful. Yeah. So that's my hot Deadpool trivia fact. Do you know what? I feel like the first time I watched that movie, I was like, Oh, he has a Dorothy shirt on. Cause like her character's name is Dorothy's born. Mm -hmm. But I remember just seeing it and being like, huh, that's funny. (laughs) Like a $10,000 t-shirt, $10,000 gag. Uh, went, that went to a really good cause. Yeah, wow. That's that's really cool, honestly. I love when celebrities are passionate about a project, like per, like personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I know somebody who's gotten a lot of a lot of attention for it is Henry Cavill, because like he's in The Witcher now and he's like a super big fan. I don't know, like I don't want to get into a whole spiel about like media and like the state of Hollywood or whatever, but I do appreciate that people are being allowed to make projects that they're passionate about, even if it's an existing media. Because I know like a lot of people dunk on like book movies and like remakes and stuff but knowing that like ryan reynolds is so into deadpool and like being a part of that and knowing that henry cavill's son of the witcher and being part of that like i like seeing projects like that it's really mm-hmm. cool and it's and you can always tell that that there's a lot of love put into them oh for sure uh, can i have one final question for you yes if you were a golden girl one of the golden girls was what would you be I would be Blanche Devereaux, and that's that's a fact. <laughs> well, yeah, that one's <laughs> obvious. I think I'm more of a you dorky. You said that one's obvious? Excuse me? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
would say probably Dorothy, just because, like, I don't want to say, like, oh, she's the stable one, but, like... She's very no-nonsense. Not that I don't appreciate a good nonsense, but, like, she's she's looking out for the other people in the house, mm-hmm. and she, I think, takes their relationships with the people she has very seriously. Yeah. Um, when I say, when I say no-nonsense, I think, like, in regards to other people. Like, if she sees someone being treated badly she will speak up about it or confront yeah. some she's not afraid to confront people and be like hey yeah. you can't do that and i appreciate that about her i absolutely agree two things i think the biggest things you have in common with dorothy are that you are a very take charge person you make a plan and you stick to it and either you go with cat's plan or you're doing something on your own time <laughs> i've been to several conventions with cat i'm gonna tell you it's a workout but i do appreciate it because i have adhd and i can't make a plan for shit And the other thing is that you both have that same sort of intense, just um, like when you're concentrating or like even at rest, it's like that, that very sort of intense look, but I wouldn't go so far as to call it like resting bitch face. Like it's definitely like something like the wheels are always turning. (laughs) Like when you're, (laughs) so yeah, I think that's, I think that's cool, but I would be Blanche because I'm a hoe. Anyway, thanks for (laughs) listening to Spider-Man Deadpool, the the podcast. Uh, This is going to be the worst episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Remember, you can email us at wasspideythere at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at, at wasspideythere. Yep, add us if you're talking to us. Hashtag if you're talking about us. Uh, my name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. And uh, we'd like to thank you for listening to Was Spider Man There, and we'll see you next week. Hey, Spider Pals, it's Zeke. If you enjoyed the stories we talked about in today's episode, you should go check out the issues. They are Spider-Man Deadpool, number four, Spider-Man Deadpool, Monsters Unleashed, number one. That's the horny one. Spider-Man Deadpool, number 46 through 50. But really, you should just read all the Spider-Man Deadpools. And our featured fanfic this week was I Just Died in Your Arms by Life is Random 34. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.